it's time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Theme music is Fruit of the Louvre, provided by flick composer-producer Howard Eddy. Stay tuned, because it's on now. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. The Tom Sumner Program. Here's your host. Have you lost your job and your health care coverage due to COVID-19? You're not alone, and Genesee Health Plan can help. I called, and they provided health care enrollment over the phone with Medicaid, HealthCare.gov, and Genesee Health Plan. They made sure I had access to doctor visits, my prescriptions, and more. Getting health care coverage can be confusing. You don't have to do it alone. Get help with GHP. Call 844-232-7740 or go to GeneseeHealthPlan.org. We're in this together, and together we'll get through it. Hi, I'm U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow, and I'm listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm Tom Sumner. It's Wednesday, which means Armchair Politics is uh, coming up at the top of the next hour for two hours of uh, commentary and analysis about local, state, national headlines and current events, plus uh, some quotes and my favorite part, the X-Files. But... uh, we're going to do something, uh, we're going to follow up on what's going on with the uh, Republican National Convention, which we're about halfway through now after the first two nights, and uh, we're going to talk with, um, I, I always go to this guy to talk about things that, that have to do with the White House, and the White House uh, ended up sort of center stage on last night's uh, Republican National Convention. Uh, former White House staffer Mark Everson is a regular guest on the show. He joins me now by phone. Mark, welcome to the show. Nice to be with you, Tom, as always. Um, were you a little surprised to see, first of all, talk of doing the acceptance speech from the White House, but to see the White House play any role in the uh, Republicans' uh, National Convention? <laughs> no, I think it's at this stage, four years into this, uh, and starting with uh, then-candidate Trump's uh, ride down that golden escalator, it's hard to say you're surprised anymore <laughs> when, these, when these things happen. I mean, I know Fair point. a lot, too. too but but um, you can question this, and um, certainly... Um, I gather, as somebody was saying last night, you know, FDR gave a a radio talk or something from the White House. So it's not entirely without president. It certainly breaks norms. Um, And I don't think it's the, I I don't, to me, it's it's not that bothersome. Uh, it's It's impossible for me to draw the line between Trump the person and Trump the president and Trump the candidate. Those are all one person as he as he more than any president we've had makes clear i mean the guy is just totally consistent in the way he operates you remember you would remember this ronald reagan was 
asked one time, how can you uh, be an actor and be the president? And he said, I don't understand how you could have this job and not be an actor. And, uh, <laughs> whereas I don't think Trump is acting. I think Trump is just who he is. Now, part of this, it's a long-winded answer, is, you know, you have all these blurring the lines as to what's fact, what's fiction. It's all the social media and the total, it's the total disregard for facts in all of our conversations now, where people just uh, talk about opinions. It's all part of the same thing of blurring the lines. Am I in favor of it? You know from our conversations that I am not. But um, did something in particular happen last night? I don't think so. I think that he predictably operated uh, using every lever he has to try and advance his cause. Well, I heard I heard one uh, news report talking about the First Lady's speech from the Rose Garden last night during the convention, referring to it as crossing a line. Well, what the exact phrase was, Mark, um, the president's critics think he has crossed a line and some even think there may be some legal implications. Does this this idea of using the White House as a backdrop during a political convention um, brush up against the Hatch Act in any way? Oh, I'm sure it does, but, but they'll never make a case against the president or the first lady. The problem is the use of all the civil servants who are um, attached to them and doing different ministerial functions. Uh, that's where the rub is, Tom. Usually you try to run these things where, you know, the president is dealing with somebody who's running his campaign, and that person is not in the NSC meetings or in the budget meetings or whatever else. There's a separation. That's impossible to do when you do the things that they did last night, uh, obviously. So I think the people who are in jeopardy, if any, it's not the Trumps themselves, it's the people around them. And and what about the uh, the appearance by Mike Pompeo? That I am more concerned with, um, frankly, because he has a function that is out, outward-facing. And we've had a tradition that has, by and large, been um, respected by both, by both sides, which is to say when the president is overseas or the secretary is overseas, uh, secretary of defense, that you don't um, insert domestic politics into those discussions. And that there isn't even, it goes so far as you know, Tom, that members of Congress don't criticize the president when he's overseas about a trip overseas. That's been the norm. This clearly takes, um, sort of throws all that out the window. I, I, I find that more troubling. And I'm not sure about the illegality of it. I mean, just because the State Department has some regulation, oftentimes the effects of these, uh, the consequence of them, of them is, would be you know, administrative rather than criminal, if you will. So I don't think that's the issue. It's just, is that the right way to conduct your, is that the right way for the Secretary of State, the nation's principal diplomat, to be conducting himself? I, I was, um, am I wrong to, to imagine, as, as I did when people started uh, uh, the pushback against the uh, the Secretary of State's appearance in the convention. Um, I, I tried to imagine Henry Hissin uh, Kissinger speaking at a convention, and for some reason, Mark, I didn't have that much trouble. 
it's you know, well, you know why that is. I think Thomas, because Henry Kissinger was such a dominant figure, Mike Pompeo uh, fades into the shadows compared to Henry Kissinger. Henry Kissinger was inseparable from uh, Nixon in terms of it was the two of them that were. I don't know. It's an overstatement to say they were running the world, but they were certainly fighting, you know, um, for the American side there and the China entree, the deals with, you know, the confrontations and deals with the Soviets, all of that. Uh, Kissinger was front and center, and people, the average American knew who uh, Henry Kissinger was. I, I, I wonder, I don't know what the name recognition for Pompeo is, but it's not particularly great. Yeah, I, I, like I said, I, I just, um, it, it didn't seem, it, it didn't seem to stick out as, as much as, uh, it does for some people. I, I, I don't know. Maybe that's just me, Mark. Yeah, you know, uh, again, I think this is just the world is changing too overseas. We don't appreciate that, but, but the use of the social media and the communications has changed things overseas and. Perhaps we're just a decade ahead of some of these other countries, but I don't like it. I like, I prefer uh, more traditional assignment of roles just because there are times when nation states need to communicate through formal channels, and it, it, it reduces risk, if you will, if there are norms of communication and interactions. And where we are now is it's all rather sloppy and open, and uh, I think that in the end, it's not that it has anything to do with our politics. I think that the Pompeo um, oh, uh, use of that forum, I think that hurts the ability of the, of the secretary or the nation to, to implement its foreign policy. And wh whether it's an Obama foreign policy or a, or a Trump foreign policy, it, it, it's still the same problem. You know, I'm... Um watching uh, people react to this uh, situation uh, last night uh, the the president's uh, defenders were out saying that you know this was cost effective you know to have the the first lady there at the white house in the rose garden that um, you know because of the pandemic you know that there were these reasons why it was okay i'm glad you used the word sloppy to be sort of lax about historically uh, distancing the the White House operations from the campaign um, but I can't help wondering if if previous administrations uh, faced with the same uh, sort of challenges of a global pandemic and and so on if they might not have found someplace in the residence for the first lady to address the convention from oh i think that's hair splitting time uh with all due respect uh yeah but hasn't look, but hasn't that hair splitting gone on the idea that you know you don't make campaign calls from the oval office but you can walk over across the portico to the residents and make them from there yeah i the way i look at it is perhaps more pragmatic um i'm not saying it's better but this is a verdict on Donald Trump, the president. So it's impossible for me to separate his campaign from the fact that he is president. I would suggest to you that you could make the case that he shouldn't be campaigning at all. 
the economy is in uh, a difficult position. There's the pandemic. We have problems with China. He should just say, I'll have Mike handle the campaign. I'll just keep doing my job. Why, you know, how do you, where do you draw the line here? It's just a slope. He is not like Biden, who has nothing to do except run his campaign. He has a job. So from a point of view of what's right, I, and this is why, you know, when I had my campaign, long shot campaign at 15, I said the president should have a single term so that he or she is not worrying about politics within the Oval Office. And that's the strongest argument uh, about how you should be doing these things. Once you've got the office, you, you've sworn the oath, and you go forward and you do your job. But what you get now is just this inevitable uh, pollution of the office with the campaigning. That's, that's the bottom line. And uh, so to pick any one incident and say that's wrong, um, it, I, it's, hard for me, it's hard for me to do, uh, even though you have these regulations and these norms. And let's not, I mean, politics are always a part of it. Maybe you can help me out. What's the famous Kennedy quote? Um, some senator voted against uh, a bill that he had, and he said he, he made some remark, well, how does it feel to be uh, from associated with a state that will never get any more federal funding or something? <laughs> he was just basically saying, I'm going to cut your state off in <laughs> terms, of, terms of any federal facilities. That's, that's real politics. Uh, that's not just using the Rose Garden as a prop. So uh, this is this is the norm. I mean, if we if we're serious about getting rid of instances like this, we won't have the occupant running for a second uh, term. That's the only that's the only answer in today's world to get rid of this. Now the Democrats had their convention last week, um, mostly online but broadcast on television, as the Republicans are doing this week. There's a little bit more live going on with the Republicans. Uh, but two days into it, how do you think the Republicans are doing countering uh, the Democrats' uh, convention last week? Well, you, you know, I sit there and I try to say, what would I be like if I was an average voter, someone who just looks at this from time to time and everything? Um, I think I'd be pretty confused because... There were very there have been very compelling parts of both conventions. I mean, uh, you know, the kid, the stutterer. I mean, that was unbelievably moving in the run up to the to the Biden speech. The, yeah, the that way was. they it, and there were a whole series of things last week that were that way. But I've got to tell you, I think that um, some of the things they've done. I mean, last night the speech from. Um, uh, the Attorney General, uh, you know, McConnell's uh, former aide, he was tremendous. And the even the Herschel Walker thing, they should have had that moved up. There's this 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 contrary uh, countering of the argument of that all uh, all uh, blacks should be voting for Democrats or that all Republicans are racist. They, those are moving personal. Uh, statements now I mark say. mark i have to i have to put a comma there but because uh, i need to take a short break here but can you stick around because i want to hear the rest yeah, sure. of what you had to say and i also want to get into what's going on at the post office when we return my guest is mark everson we'll be back with more right after this hello out there everybody it's me tigger t-i-double-g-r that spells tigger and don't forget to remember to listen to tom sumner program on account of because he's so bouncy <laughs> 
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. A social distancing tip. Putting distance between yourself and others is critical to slowing the spread of coronavirus. So here are ways to stay in contact without the physical contact part. Call, send a text, set up a video conference, post on social media, dedicate a song on the radio. If you have symptoms of fever, dry cough, and shortness of breath, call your health care provider before going to their office. For more info, visit coronavirus.gov. Let's all do our part, because we're all hashtag alone together. Brought to you by the America, your children have an amazing superpower. They can help save lives by not having playdates. That's right. By replacing get-togethers with virtual playdates and video chats, they can help slow the evil spread of germs. And if your superheroes do go outside, make sure they continue their superhero wing by staying six feet away from others to protect everyone in America land. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Your calls matter. Join me and Andrea weekdays from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern to talk about whatever you want to talk about. The Tom Sumner Program has open phone lines Monday through Friday to hear from you. How's 2020 working out for you so far? How about those damn roads? Call in live at 810-339-8255. It's all about you. We'll be streaming live at TomSumnerProgram.com and simulcast on WFOV 92.1 FM in Flint. Foil hats are optional. You thought you had every Elvis record made, but wait, Elvis sings again, this time from heaven. That's right, Elvis from heaven. Yes, hear Elvis from Graceland in the Sky, soul-stirring versions of epic proportions. You'll hear Elvis crooning, Pearly Gate Rock, all dug up, lying in the chapel, and 11 others. This record also includes a special Elvis message. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Elvis Presley. Order before midnight tonight and receive this Elvis Presley commemorative casket keychain. Open it up. Yes, the king inside. A must for any Elvis fan. Order yours today. To order your Elvis from Heaven, send $9.95 in check or money order to Elvis from Heaven, P.O. Box 714, Cleo, Michigan, 44487. Or save COD charges and phone 555-5554. Use Master Charge or Visa, Canadian residence, add $3. Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner Program is provided by Swiftlet Technology. Engineering and IT services at swiftlet.technology. Tom Sumner Program.com The Tom Sumner Program.com
This is Congressman Dan Kildee, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. My guest this hour is former White House staffer Mark Everson. He's been on the show many times. In fact, he ran briefly for uh, president during the uh, 2016 campaign, and um, that's when, when I first met him. But since then, we, we go to him whenever things come up that involve the White House and uh, inside baseball when it comes to presidential administrations and uh, he's with me by phone mark welcome back thanks for sticking around sure so we were just talking about the pluses and minuses of the convention so the so i think both sides did a good job of sort of saying what they wanted to say what i would tell you i felt uh, it was jarring on monday night i i don't think it helps the republican cause to have people in a sort of verified replica sitting there in uh, some room that cost $50,000 to outfit, uh, talking about how threatened they felt, you know, the meaning that folks who waved around uh, shotguns or rifles when, when the protesters came by, that just wasn't effective. It was really quite jarring, as was. I I, I thought the two, you know, the, the arm-waving former wife of the governor of California, now a, now a Trump uh, family girlfriend, I thought that was, uh, I had to turn that down, just because <laughs> even, even, even watching it was hard to watch, Tom. But uh, so I don't think that going quite as dark as they went, I mean, Scott and Haley were very effective at, at, at sort of dice slicing and dicing the Democratic side. But they weren't over the top in the same way that some of the others were. And then when you look at the Democratic side, I don't think that for the the middle ground voters who are watching, I don't think it was helpful to the Democrats to not mention the uh, the fact that the unrest in uh, that has been occurring is totally decimating certain communities and sending them into chaos. That's to just ignore that. And, and to pretend that it's not a, a part of this whole mix. Um, and, and, you know, fine, fair enough, champion the, the moves that everybody wants to have happen, the protests, those are good things that people are trying to, to advance uh, the democracy. But the, the, one of the real vulnerabilities that Biden has at this point, uh, obviously, is the unrest and the chaos in the cities and the the perception that that um, that you know the police will be defunded and will will just descend to the chaos, and they didn't deal with that. So I think that both of these conventions, if you will, they've they've taken an approach that could bite them, if you will, on on the negative side, uh, if you will. Yeah, I thought um, I, I thought it was interesting. I, I don't know how effective it is, given the protests that are going on around the country. Uh, when uh, former U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley um, all but closed her remarks with, America is not a racist country. Right, and I thought that was a great thing for her to say because somebody has to say we're going to talk about these issues. And even, you know, even go back to Obama. I thought Obama gave a very good speech. I, I think he was a little bit long in terms of what he said. But he was very careful to say that we are an imperfect country, but that, you know, the founders uh, 
at its core, the Constitution was a good document that enabled, set up a system that enabled us to continue to advance. There are different ways to, to phrase this, but I, I do believe there is a risk for the Democrats in overstating you know, that point. That is, it's, there's getting some clarity here. Are we racist or are there some, is there racism? There's a different, that's a, you know, you've personalized it when you say we are racist. And uh, that, that offends a lot of people. And that could, could, that could as yet come back to bite uh, the Democrats, even though they're ahead. You know, it's funny, Mark, a, a moment ago you mentioned at one point feeling like you wanted to turn it down. And... Um, no, I, I did turn it down. <laughs> <laughs> well, good, good for you. I, I, uh, I, I guess I just don't have that kind of discipline. I just sit there and take it. But, um, but what I did do is I switched over to C-SPAN. Uh huh. I, I, I just I couldn't take the interjection of talking heads throughout the evening of CNN right. and even Fox to a certain degree. Although I will give Fox kudos for having Jeff Flake on. Uh-huh. And letting yeah, I him didn't see Flake. Yeah, they they had Flake on and let him make his case for why he was uh becoming part of or why he was part of the Lincoln project and and uh um working uh to defeat the president. Um and and I thought, you know, good for them. Yeah, it is interesting. You're right. I've, I've flipped around after each of the nights I've watched for about a half hour after the coverage ends, and you go through the panels. And different. it's useful to do that because, uh, well, the other night, Monday night, I they didn't have coverage of the Alvarez speech. If you haven't seen that, Tom, that's the Cuban businessman, the Cuban-American businessman. He gave an incredibly... Uh, strong talk that was well worth watching. So there were these nuggets in both of the um, both of the conventions that are mentioned by the panels panelists as being particularly important, and they're worth uh, looking at and going back and seeing, if you will. Uh, and you're right. And sometimes it's it's someone who is from the opposite uh, part of the spectrum who says, "I thought you know that was a particularly compelling argument," or that was out of line. So yes, yes, there's there's plenty to see, and I do actually, I would have to admit, I've watched more of this convention than what I uh, typically would, just because it's it's all it's very, you know, there aren't the long introductions to the speaker and everything else. It's very it's very boom boom boom. In fact, if you got to go get uh, a glass of milk or something, you can barely go get the glass of milk. They're on to the next speaker. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, you know, I, I have to admit the same thing, although I do miss the uh, camera shots panning the convention floor and catching the little conversations that break up in corners around the room. <laughs> so, some yeah. of those things are fun to watch, but um, this has been a very, a very pointed kind of thing, which speaks to how different this campaign is during the pandemic. And one of the things is more people are voting this year by mail than ever before. And the president has been very critical of mail voting, although he typically does it himself. Um, 
what is going on with the post office? I have is is this within the the president's purview to request changes at the post office or to encourage changes at the post office? Have previous administrations uh, weighed in on post office uh, related policies and procedures? Let's, uh, there are two, before you get to Trump and the post office and everything else, there are um, sort of two points I, I would make about this. First, the post office, which obviously has been around forever, um, it's kind of like, uh, oh, your shopping malls, if you will. It's been overtaken by changes in our um, economy, in our culture. And uh, that there's a huge problem in the delivery systems of the post office that is real and is, has nothing to do with Donald Trump or 2020. It's part of this continuum where I, you know, you sit at your house in the pandemic, and what comes by an Amazon Prime or a uh, um, or a UPS or a FedEx truck? They go they go by uh, several times a day where I live. Whereas there's one little uh, van goes by and delivers the mail. That's a, a totally different model, and the post office is losing billions of dollars a year. It is uh, akin to the crumbling services, police, and fire in the, in the cities where all these generous pension benefits were given, and they can't afford to carry the current structure right now in places like Illinois. So, so that's a one problem. The other thing, Tom, that's very, uh, sort of runs to your structural point, all presidents want more control than they have over things like the Securities and Exchange Commission. You make an appointment to um, the members of the commission, the independent agencies. And once you do that, you, you've lost control, if you will. They're out there and they're going to do what they're doing. They're on term appointments. They're not, they're not within the Treasury Department or the Transportation Department. They have much more latitude, if you will. And the post office is an example of that. Historically, um, you know, the EPA building, that was the old post office building. That, the, the, the postmaster general was considered the number one political plum if you went back uh, 70, 80 years ago. Like, who was Roosevelt's guy? Was it Farley? Who was the big uh, political guy who became the postmaster general? That was considered the political plum. But then that was changed. And, yes, it's out it's, it is independent, largely independent or independent of the administration, if you will. There's a mechanism. There's a board of governors, and then the board of governors selects the, uh, selects the, uh, the postmaster general. Was it a good thing? Mnuchin, the treasury secretary, apparently got involved in terms of trying to, trying to orchestrate who was going to get that job and how they were going to act. Was that advisable? No, no, it wasn't. I think particularly for a treasury secretary, but... I'm not going to, overall, I think Mnuchin's done a pretty strong job. He's, uh, he's very detail-oriented. He's gotten involved in some things he probably shouldn't have. But, uh, but he's been pretty effective, if you will. Uh, but so there's a normal tr attempt to try and reach in more than, you're, you know, more than you're allowed to, if you will. I mean, we just went through this case with the new Consumer Products uh, uh, Commission, and, and, the, and the court ended up ruling on 
what had to happen with that. So constantly we're adjusting how we interact with, with these entities that are governmental, but not part of the departments, if you will. That's the starting point of this. And then you get to, uh, you know, what's happening now and the delivery of the mail and both for registration and for actual ballots. Um, that, that leaves really two questions on the post office. One is, do you think it's going to go by the way of uh, the telegraph? And um, um, the, the other is, um, is there a danger to the fidelity of voting by mail? Yeah, I absolutely uh, think that it's unadvisable that the president has been talking about this in the way he's been talking, about, particularly since the post office has these huge problems. Let me, before I get to the mail, let me say um, I am concerned about the election, and I'm actually as concerned, if not more concerned, about the polling places. In the COVID um, environment, the, you know, the polling places, are what? who are they staffed by? They're staffed by 70- and 80-year-olds who, who are there for... 12 hours, 14 hours, how many of them are going to call off because they're vulnerable in this, right. in today's environment? That has to be a concern in terms of staffing up the polling places. That, uh, that is not getting much discussion, but I'm quite worried about that in today's environment, especially if there's been a, a spike. If, it's hard to anticipate what will be in two months, but People are suggesting that the virus could be, you know, surging in certain places. If that's happening, uh, it's going to be tough to staff up those things. So I think you're going to have issues there. When you get to the, um, the mail-in ballots, one of the problems you've got here, Tom, is this is not a one-size-fits-all approach. Each state has different standards. Um, um, uh, most of them... Uh, require that the ballot be received sometime by on election day. But there are others that go all the way out to uh, 14 days. Your neighboring state, Illinois, across the lake, uh, you, you have, you can, um, it has to be postmarked on election day, but you have 14 days for the ballot to get there. So if this is a close election, uh, it's conceivable that we could be waiting for weeks for some of the states' results to come in, if you will. Now, I think most of the battleground states, they're due on the day that um, of, the, of Election Day, but you've still got some Minnesota seven days afterwards. Uh, you've got, uh, uh, you know, a real range of, of when, when things are due. Even Ohio, like, I think the, the, the ballot can be received 10 days after, after Election Day. It has to be postmarked on time. But uh, so, yeah. Yeah, I, I think we, if this tightens up, and if, you, if we had this conversation three weeks ago, I would have said to you that, that uh, Biden was running away with it, but I, I think that it could get closer. Uh, I'm sure you've seen the articles. People talked about the Dukakis lead and, and Bush uh, Sr., how he painted Dukakis into a corner. Trump's going to do everything he can to, to paint uh, Biden into a corner, and those ballots, those mail-in ballots may be really important, and they're just the, the inability or the, just the, the, the difficulty of the, service, of the postal service to get them, get them across the line. That, that could be telling. 
Well, it's going to be interesting to watch because we haven't. I, I, I was um, fascinated by something you said about watching more of this convention. Of course, we still have tonight and tomorrow night for the Republicans. Um, but watching more of the conventions in the format that they're being presented this time. Um, and and I'm just wondering, do you think that's true of a lot of people? Are a lot more people paying attention to the conventions? And will the conventions have an impact on people? Um, we, we've always heard about the, the post-convention bump for each candidate. But it, it, is it going to uh, win hearts and change minds? I have no idea. And I, I tend to think that the issues here are so big that the conventions, what the conventions are doing is they're sort of helping each side perfect where they're trying to take it. I think they're more internal to the, what the campaigns want to do than they are impacting people right now. I, for instance, you know, I would take the Herschel Walker talk and boil it down to a 60-second commercial, and I would run that in states where they have... Uh, minorities that are um, that are um, uh, swing potentially decisive for for Trump and the same thing with the kid in New Hampshire uh, on the Democratic side I think that they they've tried out different themes if you will and in the end maybe some people will be swung but I still think it's going to come down to has the economy improved somewhat and where are we on where are we on the virus if you will um, when we get two months closer. Well, and it really does kind of depend on what the virus does. And yes. a lot of people since this first began back in you know, the early part of the year, in February and March, um, people were sort of characterizing it like we were going to be inconvenienced for a few weeks. And now here we are several months into it. And we really don't know if there's an end in sight. Well, this is it, and there are bigger issues. Uh, what's really happening right now, I would tell you, more important probably comes down to the schools. My kid went back to school on the 10th. We start early here down in Mississippi, and he's a middle schooler. And he's a top student, a top athlete, great kid. But i got to tell you, even he deteriorated over the course of five months of uh, just a lot of father-son time. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it, it was, uh, we were both ready for him to go back to school, and you can see the spring in his step, and he's doing great. But there are a lot of kids. I live in an area where um, it's a lot of economic disadvantage. It's not the poor part of Mississippi, but it's, not, it's, it's still not a great demographic in terms of the income or the household structures and everything else. Um, those kids needed to be back in school time. And where, where we have not been able to get the kids back into school and families are struggling, they're going to reach personal judgments on, um, on this. And what the president has done is said people should be in school. And if, if the folks are saying don't be in school and everything else, and even if they're local leaders and the governors and school districts and everything else, people are going to react kind of, I think very viscerally to a series of factors. Do they have a job? Are the how are the kids doing? A whole series of issues here that um, are rather stark. Do they think the country's racist, or do they think there is racism? Now, all these different things. There are four or five points, and I can't begin to tell you which one will be more 
dominant, but um, people they're 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 getting showcased here in a way that that um, I think is overcoming traditional arguments that, that people might have voted on before, uh, if you will. The Republicans seem to be making a case that uh, that the president, despite his uh, tendency to tweet and and speak out of school sometimes. Um, that he's been mischaracterized by the media. Are they doing that effectively? I don't know. I, I mean, I've got to tell you that when I watch speeches by Scott or by Haley or by um, several of the other people, I thought a very effective talk uh, last night. They had, a, maybe you saw him, a policeman who had... had uh, Oh, gone and got involved, and he, he he adopted the child of a of a drug addict who he he met when he was on a on a on a call. Oh, she was pregnant. She was about to shoot up with heroin. She, he was very effective. Uh, I I think they yes. I I sat there and I said, "Geez, uh, I like Trump." Yeah, but how did Trump? How did Trump a, turn into a nice guy? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, but but does that? The question is, just because they say that, does that stay with you? He's his own worst enemy. And yeah, that's um, true. And and the problem. I mean, what I would say is, people are they they just don't listen anymore. And one of the, I still do believe one of the biggest issues, and I think I've said this to you before, is you know he's exhausting. Um, I right when this was all starting. My two sons and I, we were in, we were in London uh, the week before they ended up all, ended all the uh, soccer matches, and we went to a Chelsea football match, long, crazy story, but for the third time in my life, I went to the Churchill War Rooms, and, which are underneath Whitehall. It's where Churchill directed the war effort. And just, you know, it's very striking, Tom. Uh, he saved the U.K., he saved England, and he saved the world, you could argue. But the Brits still threw him out in 1946, and they did because he was an exhausting guy. Trump is an exhausting. <laughs> Trump is exhausting, and uh, so that's a that's another big factor that's in there. So the question is, will people say he's exhausting? I want him out, or will they be afraid that Biden, Harris, and and a lot of the other issues, you know, that that those folks have the wrong values. And, and the country will descend into chaos. The fear, and the Republicans are are certainly trying to say that's that's the direction. That's what the election should be about. Well, Mark, it's always a pleasure to talk with you. We're we're out of time, but uh, thanks for sharing your thoughts as always. Well, uh, you know, I don't think you learned anything, but <laughs> I enjoyed the conversation. Thanks, Mark. Well, it, you know, I, I usually learn stuff, but it's always uh, interesting to get your perspective on these things. And yeah, thank you. I wasn't saying that you, I wasn't saying that about you. I'm just saying, who knows? That's all I'm saying. <laughs> this is so crazy. that. Uh, but I enjoy the conversation as well. And yeah, well, let's check in again a few weeks down the road and see where we stand. Then. Sound, sounds good, Mark. Thank you. All right, sir. Bye-bye. Bye. That was uh, former White House staffer Mark Everson. We talked about the uh, Republican National Convention, which uh, we've had the first two nights of. There's more tonight and tomorrow night. Coming up in the next segment, we're going to hear some highlights from the first two nights 
of the uh, Republican National Convention for 2020 as we work our way up to armchair politics at the top of the hour. Stay tuned. Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Hawaiians, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hi, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. If you like talk radio that makes you think without telling you what to think, check out our whole show weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern at TomSumnerProgram.com. Selected segments are also available on this and other radio stations, but you can hear us anytime. Daily editions of the Tom Sumner Program repeat online all day and night on the show's website. Past shows can be found in the website archives. My long-format interviews with New York Times best-selling author photographers and writers from National Geographic, as well as artists, musicians, candidates, and elected officials are made possible by listeners like you. Support the Tom Sumner Program and Civilized Talk Radio. Visit our website at TomSumnerProgram.com and become a member. You can make a one-time gift or become a sustaining patron by taking the link to the Tom Sumner Program Patreon page. Thanks for listening and thanks for your support. discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond. Where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air. Where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums. Where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses. And where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County. Where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at Michigan.org. Thank you, and thank you all for tuning in. You know, we know that tough times don't last, but tough people do. We've been through a lot here in Michigan. We've been through crisis before, where the country needed their countrymen and countrywomen to pitch in collectively to get through a crisis and rise to the occasion. Michigan once was the arsenal of democracy to win World War II. We need that same spirit now. We're working around the clock with doctors and hospitals and first responders to stop the spread and to save lives. But we need your help too. The state has launched a new volunteer website at www.michigan.gov forward slash fight COVID-19 where trained medical professionals can register to serve their fellow Michiganders by assisting hospitals in fighting COVID-19. State residents can also use the site to find out how they can help in their local communities by giving blood or donating resources or needed medical supplies. Whether you're a medical professional looking to volunteer or you're someone who can give blood or donate to your local food bank, everyone can help out. To get through this, we must all do our part. Stay home, stay safe, and save lives. Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner Program is provided by Swiftlet Technology, engineering and IT services at swiftlet.technology. I know of a place 
where you never get harmed. A magical place with magical charms. Indoors, indoors, indoors. Take it away. Hey, this is First Ward City Councilman Eric Mays, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio For a new generation TomSumnerProgram.com 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 We all know Donald Trump makes no secrets about how he feels about things. Whether you like it or not, you always know what he's thinking. My deepest sympathy goes out to everyone who has lost a loved one. And my prayers are with those who are ill or suffering. The president has held China accountable for covering up the China virus and allowing it to spread death and economic destruction in America and around the world. Presidential leadership came swiftly and effectively with an extraordinary rescue for health and safety to successfully fight the COVID virus. Our economic health is coming back with emergency spending and tax cuts. Americans are going back to work. And the economy soared to new heights, heights never seen before. Wages went through the roof. Unemployment reached the historic lows, especially for black Americans, Hispanic Americans and women. Trade deals were ripped up and renegotiated. Lights were turned back on in abandoned factories across our country. As a recent graduate, I can relate to so many of you who might be looking for a job. My father built a thriving economy once, and believe me, he will do it again. I learned what was happening to me had a name. It was called being canceled, as in annulled, as in revoked, as in made void. Cancelled is what's happening to people around this country who refuse to be silenced by the far left. Many are being fired, humiliated, or even threatened. But I would not be cancelled. Let's make America great again. We believe in freedom of thought and expression. Think what you want. Seek out the truth. Learn from those with different opinions. And then freely make your voice heard to the world. Joe Biden is a politician who has been in government for 47 years. He's a career politician who's never signed the front of a check and does not know the slightest thing about the American worker or the American business. Compare President Trump with the disastrous record of Joe Biden, who's consistently called for more war. Joe Biden voted for the Iraq War, which President Trump has long called the worst geopolitical mistake of our generation. In the Middle East. When Iran threatened, the president approved a strike that killed the Iranian terrorist, Qasem Soleimani. Moving the embassy to Jerusalem, peace in the Middle East. Today, because of the president's determination and leadership, the ISIS caliphate is wiped out. It's gone. In North Korea, the president lowered the temperature and against all odds got the North Korean leadership to the table. No nuclear tests, no long-range missile tests. I have reflected 
on the racial unrest in our country. It is a harsh reality that we are not proud of parts of our history, focused on our future while still learning from our past. We must remember that today we are all one community comprised of many races, religions, and ethnicities. Our diverse and storied history is what makes our country strong, and yet we still have so much to learn from one another. With that in mind, I like to call on the citizens of this country to take a moment, pause, and look at things from all perspectives. I urge people to come together in a civil manner so we can work and live up to our standard American ideals. The Tom Summer Program From a global pandemic to the deaths of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, 2020 has tested our nation in ways we haven't seen for decades. There's one thing I've learned. It's that even on our worst day, we are blessed to live in America. America is the greatest country on earth, but my father's entire worldview revolves around the idea that we can always do even better. This election is about who can preserve the values, principles, and institutions that make America great. This president has a record of strength and success. The former vice president has a record of weakness and failure. Joe Biden is basically the Loch Ness Monster of the swamp. For the past half century, he's been lurking around in there. Look at what he already did and what he didn't do while he's been in Washington for 47 years. America, it's all on the line. President Trump believes in you. He emancipates and lifts you up to live your American dream. He knows that political correctness and cancel culture are dangerous and just plain wrong. You cannot cancel a culture that loves its heroes. In order to improve in the future, we must learn from our past, not erase it. We don't give in to cancel culture or the radical and factually baseless belief that things are worse today than in the 1860s or the 1960s. In much of the Democratic Party, it's now fashionable to say that America is racist. That is a lie. America is not a racist country. You've seen us on your TV screens and Twitter feeds. You know that we're not the kind of people who back down. Thankfully, neither is Donald Trump. President Trump is the law and order president. Democrats won't let you go to church, but they'll let you protest. Democrats won't let you go to work, but they'll let you riot. They'll disarm you, empty the prisons, lock you in your home, and invite MS-13 to live next door. The left wants to defund the police. This is personal to me. I wouldn't be here without the bravery and heroism of the men and women in law enforcement who saved my life. What happened to George Floyd is a disgrace, and if you know a police officer, you know they agree with that too. But we cannot lose sight of the fact that our police are American heroes. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris want a cultural revolution, a fundamentally different America. This is an election between a party that wants to burn down the foundations of our country to the ground 
and a party that wants to rebuild and protect our great nation. These radicals are not content with marching in the streets. They want to walk the halls of Congress. They want to take over. They want power. This is Joe Biden's party. We seek a nation that rises together, not falls apart in anarchy and anger. While this election is between Donald Trump and Joe Biden, it is not solely about Donald Trump and Joe Biden. It's about the promise of America. Ladies and gentlemen, leaders and fighters for freedom and liberty and the American dream, the best is yet to come. I heard there was a secret chord that David played and it pleased the Lord, but you don't really care for music, do you? It goes like this, the fourth, the fifth, the minor fall, the major lift, the baffled king composing a
You pilots, get off of my lawn. We're trying to do a radio show down here. It's a Tom Sumner program, don't you know? Go on. Go on, get out of here. <laughs>